you Yeah, yo There whenever it matters and even more when you feel like it doesn't Protect you so you never feel like you wasn't Know I'm right alongside you, here by that I'm behind you But always got you, end the discussion, nothing means more First one to offer his shoulders for what you preach for Thought I saw the eyes of the world until I seen yours And know that I ain't see a better view yet I'm with whatever, so don't ever you fret Know that you covered, not a hurdle or a heartbreak To change what a partake Cause none of them won't ever get comfortable in your walkway My job is to aware you, fully loaded Prepare you for all of the above that I'm never letting get near you. But still, I know, give you every advantage I found. Couldn't find a better fit for them, along with my crown. And since the baton was passed, hopping down, cause feeling's not an option, and dad is not a noun, not at all. My message to any dad, man, first off, know that, yeah, it, it is a hard job, but it's the greatest job in the world. I wouldn't trade it for anything, I wouldn't change anything about it. Everything you're doing from here on out. If it didn't have purpose before, now it has purpose. It's the most important thing you'll ever do. Just be a dad. Hey everybody, this is Ishmael from Dad Is Not A Noun. And this episode is brought to you by Tech Live 2020, a virtual experience event that will get children and adults engaged into tech and inspire innovation in our communities because our because uh, innovation in our communities because nearly 85% of the job titles that exist in 2030 haven't been created yet. To register for this December event, go to www.techfestlive.com. Uh, and I'm excited today because I have a great guest today. Um, the title of this episode of Dad is Not Announced is called Dad Habits. Um, I think habits is all about repetition. Uh, the more you do it, it becomes a habit, whether it's bad or good. So I'm truly excited to have the brother on. I have Conley Primus on. What's going on, brother? What's going on? What's going on? Thanks for having me, Ishmael. Appreciate it. Appreciate being here. No, my pleasure, man. Thank you for having on. Uh, you know, I had to get through that. I messed up a little bit, but, you know, it is what it is. But I got the message out. <laughs> Human, oh, yeah, yeah, man. Oh, definitely. That's a part of you know, that's a part of the just just life in general. And again, it go back to your book about habits the more you do it, it becomes a habit, and you know, it's like it becomes natural, like you so. But man, I'm I, I love the book, I like the cover of the book. Um, I love how it represents tranquility, you know, you have these six elements. And um, can you kind of break down those six elements of, of habits when it comes to um, dads? Right, sure, yeah. So um, with the cover, I put a lot of thought into it because everything is like methodical to me. So the elements in each hand, it represents like a major point of responsibility for, for me and for fathers that I want to convey. So I know you see the graphic there. So the basketball um, matter of fact, I'll start with the wrench first. The wrench really represents like your uh, manly responsibilities, that leadership, hands-on, you know, your idea of what being a man's man is and taking charge of your family. And then if you go counterclockwise, you'll have the, uh, the bottle, which represents your compassionate side and connecting with your child, being nurturing and that, you know, it takes a lot of work as a man. Then you have the ring next. The ring is... um. It represents your partnership, your romantic interest, and 
your mom, the spouse, and everything that goes on with that and keeping that connection fresh and growing. Then you have the money. The money is um, building your finance. It's kind of similar to the manly man's, but it's more on a personal level because every human wants to be financially successful. But that's about practicing planning and patience. And it's a lot of elements there to understanding that money's a language. And then you have the, uh, the basketball. That's um, personal interest. That's making sure you're keeping up with things you like, uh, kind of holding on a little bit to your individuality and getting your, your, you know, your spirits out and your dopamine up. And then lastly, you have the phone, which is kind of similar to the ball, but it's about um, reaching out and staying connected with your friends, the life you had before, fatherhood and things like that, and just, you know, connecting with other humans. And that's kind of like the cycle of the, the six important steps to em embracing dad habits. And uh, what I love about the book is that it's broken down to uh, six elements, but from beginning to end of fatherhood, you know, you have, you know, the preparation of fatherhood, then the birth of the child. So I like how you kind of have it in uh, chronicle order, which is pretty dope. Cause sometimes when people write books, they don't have it everywhere. And you try to, you know, try to figure it out. Like, all right, this is chapter two, but chapter five is all the way here, but they have in the child in chapter five, but they're already talking about raising a child in chapter two. So why was that important to keep that chronicle, uh, cro that chronicle order when it comes when it when it came to writing this book? Um. Well, it, it was important to me because I'm a I'm a creative. Outside of being a father, outside of I guess an author, I like to create, and it was important to me that it was a handbook, but there's no charts or diagrams. It was I wanted it to be kind of a story form. So. As I was writing it, that was something I kept to mind. I kind of had an imaginary child with me that I envisioned. So as I was going through the chapters, I would age the child with the chapters. So it was kind of easy for me to do it. And it was challenging. You know, I like challenging myself. And I wanted to be layers to this book because there's layers to fatherhood. And it's definitely layers to it. And then let's go to your childhood a little bit, because, you know, I was reading an introduction. You know, you were uh, your parents were born in the Caribbean. Um, they separated at 10 years old. Um, you talk about how your mom did most of the living when you guys moved to Brooklyn. So when, when your parents separated, how was that for you as a child? And how was your relationship with your father when, when, when your mom, well, they separated? When they, when they separated, I was actually six. Like I oh. benchmarked it in the book at 10, like by the time I was 10, but I was six. And, um, I want to say, I didn't really understand it at the time. For me, I saw it as, you know, one less guardian that's always there, one less watchful eye, because my father would visit all the time. It's, it was it didn't feel like he was really absent, and I didn't give the romantic side of it much thought or what was going on between them. So for me, it didn't really affect me much until like later when I grew up and it kind of settled in. You know, my mom is an adult; she's gonna move on. My father's an adult; he's gonna move on, and. That is when it, I kind of thought about what was going on with them and how it psychologically may have affected me. And that allowed me to, you know, kind of grow in my own way. And then also, can you talk about because in the in the book, you talk about that you learned a lot from kids more than your parents because, you know, your guys moved to Brooklyn. So can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, well, you know, when you have parents that come from uh, humble beginnings like St. Vincent or anywhere in the Caribbean, they have this mindset that they want to pass on to their kids. 
and it's it's important you know it helps you traverse traverse the world you got somebody that wants your best interests at heart you know but when you get into society you realize that that's a whole other environment that you have to manage and learn and i realized because it didn't grow up in the city and around the certain cultures that my people that i was around grew up in they they didn't really get a lot of things and a lot of ways for me to you know grow in that area so and it's i think it's something that a lot of, of kids face that have caribbean parents so i wouldn't say i learned better things from the from my peers but i definitely learned a lot that helped me survive and grow up you know because my parents they just didn't understand what was going on out there they had a whole different upbringing yeah definitely definitely and then um also like like going into the book um one of one of the chapter ones i find interesting was how you emphasize uh e eating uh better habits even before the baby is born and then when the baby is born you know uh can you kind of talk about that because i think that's important because again as it goes back to habits you know you work on having better eating habits that creates more energy for yourself that more creates energy for your baby so can you talk about that a little bit yeah that's important um diet is and i think the eating habits is important because it's also a way to practice discipline right it's um you get kind of instant results feeling healthier uh breath of fresh air and it, everything in the book intertwines with your child so when i talk about practicing eating habits for you it's more of a challenge because you're kind of stuck in your ways or whatever habits you currently have. So challenging yourself to change that, to be healthier, have longevity for your child also makes you think about nutrition because you'll study more. You'll try to understand what substitute what. And when your baby gets there, you'll be able to apply your new knowledge to how you'll assess them. Because the main reason I wrote the book is the five, first five years of childhood is the most important for a human being. So if the guardian isn't right in thinking about that, then it's kind of bad for the human being for almost the rest of their life, you know? Definitely. And then also, you know, going back to chapter one, you, you know, it's called Welcome to the Real World. You know, we, you know, we, we, we're, we, we're, become, we're like babies, we're, we're adolescents, we become in manhood, and then when we have a child, you know, we become a father. Um, can you kind of talk about like those steps of, that prepare being prepared because you know you you can't prepare to be a father but you can kind of go through those steps so when you have a child you kind of prepared a little bit can you kind of talk about that a little bit yeah um parenting is is interesting because it's it's ancient it's it's the oldest thing the cornerstone of humanity i put, I put that in the book it's so old but it's new every single time and that paradox is just a lot to wrap your head around. So you can never, like you said, you can never be prepared for parenthood. But when I say welcome to the real world, it, it really means um, that everyone's doing it. And even though it's fresh and it's new, you have to understand that everyone's also winging it that much. So the preparation is just at all angles because you never know what's the right way, you know? Definitely. And um, Yeah, go ahead. No, no, no. I'm listening, brother. Go ahead, bro. Another point I want to say with, um, you know, that steps of fatherhood and really you got to understand that you're learning every day. That's your that's what you're doing when you're on this planet. You're learning how to do things in repetition. But when you become a father, you have to 
learn how to teach every day while you're learning. So that's really what I mean by, you know, welcome to the real world. And then also too, I like the critical point when you says parenting is often referred as a thankless job. And going back to your childhood, you know, you put a key thing on affirmation, like your parents would tell you you're smart, but that's it. But that, that affection part that was missing. Um, so how do you, as a parent, uh, separate logic and emotion when it comes to, cause again, we're a tribal being and we need, sometimes we want that affirmation sometimes, like you're doing a good job to make you feel good. But when you don't get it, how do you separate the two? Yeah, it's tough. Um, the best way to separate the two is to not even have yourself in the habit of seeking that because you don't, you don't want to get in the habit of, and I wrote that in the book, you don't want to get in the habit of doing things for affirmation. And a lot of times people do that and they end up feeling empty because whether or not you get the affirmation or not, it's still a long, uh, short-lived feeling. So um, I also write in the book, you probably haven't got to that part yet, but it's more so about challenging yourself to do things and work harder. Like you want to have the goal is you, you, you achieved it because you worked hard, right? Not because you want to hear you're smart or you want to impress or prove anything. You genuinely want to get in the habit of challenging yourself every day. Definitely. And then another key point was in your chapter two, the chemical head start. You know, I know men cannot relate of having a child because the baby is inside the mother, but you also, you know, you talk about in a way we do, you know, and it's important to create that bond with the mother and uh, create the relationship with the baby, even though the baby is not born, but create that um, relationship in the beginning. Uh, can you talk about that a little bit? Right. Yeah. Uh, that's one of my favorite chapters in the book. Um, that time when the mother is pregnant, you know, and I, I know you've seen, I explained it a lot scientifically so men yeah. can understand the sacrifice she's making. But what's going on is a lot of men don't understand the chaos in her body is being projected outward and that's you getting caught in that pregnant bubble. So it's just like her dealing with the chaos in her body. You have to deal with the projected chaos and you have to survive it because that's the birth of your baby. So I don't think a lot of men realize the opportunity you get to prove yourself as a partner and a man when you can be there for her in these emotional moments that she doesn't understand at all. And she's like, she's upset with herself for being upset. She doesn't really get it, but if you give her the opportunity to pounce on you about it, she'll take it because she doesn't understand what's going on. So it's really up to you. And also understand that you're the clear headed one. You're not going through as much chemical changes. So you don't have the excuse to be as angry as her. You really have to think about that. Right. And it goes back to that patience. How do you learn to be patient? Cause you know, men, we have a habit of not being patient. It's like if we get frustrated, you know, when it comes to sports, when we're watching a game and we see like our team not doing well, we get frustrated. You're like, you know what? I'm turning this off. You suck. You need to trade him. He's not good. Trade him. So how do you you learn that patience? Because I think that's important. Yeah, patience is um, it's key. And uh, uh, for me, I think my only advice I can really give is. It's your viewpoint of parenting and what it means to have an offspring. If you can truly understand what it means to have, you know, pass on your lineage, your lineage, your genetics, your DNA, and your essence to 
another being and continue that on, if you can really take that seriously, I think patience is just something that um, over time, it'll start to build and grow in you because you know it's at stake. Definitely. And then also one of my, I love this quote that your father told you, once a man, twice a child. And that resonates with me because I'm still a grown child. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. But I, I think it's a point because in my perspective, I think when you have a child, it kind of brings that child like out of you again when it comes to finance, um, um, creating like a little mini you when it comes to things like your like, like you said, like sports, whether it's technology. So can, can you kind of dissect that quote that, you know, that your father told you? Yeah, that once a man, twice a child is special to me because it means so many different things, you know, like for him, it meant you're once in your life uh, a man, considered a man, where you're at this age where you're legal and you're treading upward in physicality. That's manhood. And you have that one moment that and another moment you're a child. And at the end of your life as a senior, you're a child again where you need help. But the way I broke the quote down is, like you said, once you have a baby or a, a child, you're a child again. You're, you're like, this is your childhood moment all over again. So you're in a new atmosphere and you have to learn how to connect with a child. And the one way to do that is to be a child. <laughs> so that that's, um, that's important to me because a lot of parents feel like because they know that they have that guardian child role in their head, they assume that the child should know that for some reason. And that's just not the case. You have to establish every aspect of friendship and trust with a child. So that's a big thing for me too. Yeah, that, uh, once a man, twice a child, you have to stay within that childhood mentality so you can connect with your child. Definitely. And then also, um, this is the last question too, because I think this is important too, that goes back to what we talked about earlier when you, know, you as a child, when your um, parents separated, and you didn't really know how to understand it. Now you're as as a as a parent, you know, as a father. Um, uh, how do you um, uh, explain to people who's going through like that early phases of a possibility of separation and the 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 the, the mindset of just staying together because it's for the child, and how in a way that's bad because what happens is that child see the defunction and that becomes a part of that trauma as a child. So um, can you kind of talk about that a little bit of, you know, the, 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 the bad aspect of staying together, even though it's not working for the child. Right. What's yeah. Going on that? Yeah. That, that happens a lot too, because uh, first I want to say that happens because mainly once you guys are expecting a child, for the first time, both of you are truly thinking about a uh, life partnership forever. You know, like even if you expect to get married or whatever the case, whatever plans you have for each other, it can change at any moment. You can back out. You can never see each other again. But now that this child is here, it truly means that you have to know each other forever. You know, and that I think that shakes a lot of relationships because then you start to hyperanalyze job aspects, finance, you know, things like that. But you're absolutely right. You can't, you definitely cannot stay in a situation that's bad for you or draining for the child. And it's, it's a tricky subject, mainly because it's important that a kid has both parents, you know, it's 50, 50. 
and you want the child to optimize 100 and get 100% of love, but at the same time, you won't be able to give the child your 50 if you're being siphoned off from the other side and it's draining. So you really have to consider how important it is and how not really how important it is, but how much is it hurting you on the inside? Is it truly something that you can't communicate with your spouse? Because um, every hurdle that you get over with your spouse is just proof that you two can do something for your child because there'll be many, many hurdles wrapped within your child. And that's just the first of many. So you just truly have to consider if it's something that is really harboring your soul of moving forward or if it's really just a romantic thing that you can't get over because it's, you know, this is your girl. And that's what's really the weight of it. And from there, you save yourself or you save your child, but you always stay engaged as a father. You never do anything out of spite and say, oh, if I can't have you, I'm not talking to the kid or you know, you move away, you always stay engaged and make sure that child knows you. Definitely, man. And then you definitely gave 100% love to this book, man. Even though I'm still on, like I'm on chapter two, towards the end of chapter two, chapter three now, I enjoyed this book, man. I Thank think you. the most important thing is that connection. And I think, like I was giving through the book, like, um, you know, build a relationship with other dads, you know, because sometimes what happens is other dads, they feel like they're lonely and they're by, they're on an island on their own. And I think this book kind of brings that sense of fraternity because I think fatherhood is a fraternity. And so this is like a pamphlet to let dads um, know that they're not alone. So what kind of advice do you have for dads out there that they feel like they're alone? What should they do? What can they do? Right. Um, togetherness to me is important all around. So my advice for any dad out there that feels like he's alone, there's no one to speak to, you don't have any anybody on a basic level, you want to just reach out through all the plethora of social platforms that we have available. They have a bunch of Facebook dad groups, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, uh, and this new clubhouse thing that's out now. It's just so many things that where you can engage, you don't have to show your face if you're shy or bashful, whatever. You can just engage and get new tips, new ideas, and um, also just get used to learning. When you're on a on the way home from work or bored home, turn on a podcast, YouTube something, just get used to learning new things and engaging yourself and getting ready to have conversations with other people because it won't always be about fatherhood, but um, you, you want to know other fathers and get new ideas and just pin things, be around people that take fatherhood serious, but it's hard, you know, just take advantage of the social era we're in and use your digital platform to try to reach out to other people and just show that you're an engaged father and it'll gravitate towards you. Definitely, man. And I definitely felt this was an engaging conversation. I appreciate your time for coming on. Uh, where can people find you? Um, yeah, so you can find me on Instagram. Uh, the book's Instagram is embra at Embracing Dad Habits. Um, my Instagram is at dadhabits underscore bondly. I'm also on Facebook. You can check the Facebook page, uh, Dad Habits, and on Twitter, um, at dadhabits underscore book. So, you know, it's, it's all over the place. And you can find the book online on Amazon, Google, uh, Kindle, Barnes and Nobles, Writers Republic. So, uh, yeah. Definitely. Thank you again. And people out there, definitely get this book. Uh, the ticker has the link below. You know, definitely cop that book. Uh, I'm not a dad, but 
so far by reading this book, I can kind of utilize those habits in my life because it's about repetition, practice, um, daily regimen of self-care, and that's important. So definitely check that book out. Thank you, brother. I appreciate it, man. And we definitely got to do this again. I appreciate you. Thank you for your kind words. I'm, I'm glad you like to read. It means a lot to me. I really wanted it to be something that, you know, an easy, short read that people could engage with and, you know, not feel like they're getting instructions. So thank you. It means a lot that you enjoy it. And I'm looking forward to another conversation. It's This is great what you're doing as not being a dad yourself. Like I, I can't even get over that yet. That's amazing. <laughs> Thanks so much, man, for this opportunity. No problem, man. We're trying to make our book sexy again. <laughs> Good, <laughs> short and sweet. That's right. <laughs> All right, brother. Enjoy, man. Enjoy your. So for you, yeah, yo. There whenever it matters and even more when you feel like it doesn't Protect you so you never feel like you wasn't Know I'm right alongside you, here but that or I'm behind you But always got you, end of discussion, nothing means more First wanna offer his shoulders for what you preach for Thought I saw the eyes of the world until I seen yours And know that I ain't see a better view yet I'm with whatever, so don't ever you fret Know that you covered, not a hurdle or a heartbreak To change what a partake, cause none of them won't ever get comfortable in your walkway My job is to aware you, fully loaded Prepare you for all of the above that I'm never letting get near you. But still, I know, give you every advantage I found. Couldn't find a better fit for them, along with my crown. And since the baton was passed, I've been down. Cause failing's not an option, and dad is not a noun, not at all.